high run. I hope you're continuing to tiptoe, wade, land your way through lockdown uh, in such a way as to perhaps just keep a little a little toehold on your sanity. Joking aside, don't forget that be, be, be kind to yourself and be kind to those around you. you know, some of the, the challenges that the ongoing grind of lockdown are thrown up, are, they're, they're real. And um, I've just noticed in the last couple of weeks in, in our family and in people that it's just really easy to be thrown by stuff that seems quite trivial. And just little things can really just throw you out of whack or off kilter. So, so hang in there. Um, and like I said, be patient and kind with yourselves. This week, um, we're starting a new mini-series on justice. It's going to run for about four weeks. Because I'm I'm aware that last week, Dan, for, for many of you, he, he really stirred something inside of you, lit a fire in, in many of your bellies in some ways, when he was talking about justice and righteousness and those two incredible things that go hand in hand in the Bible. Um, but I'm also aware that in many of your responses, it left you with a feeling of like, what now? I, I want to do something. I want to be able to respond to this, but I'm not quite sure what that looks like. Um, and, and that can leave you feeling with it, will be left with a feeling of just sort of a bit of guilt hanging over you. And, and right now, probably that's not an emotion that you want to put into your lockdown locker because there's enough <laughs> tough stuff going on as it is. Um, but that that's that slightly uneasy sense of what do I do with this? I really get that because funnily enough, when I was when I was a lawyer, I think I felt more connected to this idea of working for justice than I than I do now as a vicar. Now, don't get me wrong, I, I wasn't some self-styled Erin Brockovich, you know, fighting for justice at every turn. But the reality was that on a lot of occasions it felt like I was acting for a the little person against a big organisation or a company or corporation that had plenty of resources and wealth. And I, and I was standing up for, for the little guy. And, and I suppose that gave me a more tangible sense of, of fighting for a just cause than perhaps I, than I get now. But unless you're in that line of work that connects quite obviously in that way, the what can I do question can just hang there. And it isn't necessarily that easy to answer. So we thought, I'll discuss this with Dan and Amber, we thought that perhaps a good way to try and untie that knot a little bit would be just to dig a little bit more down into what the Bible says about what justice is, what it looks like, how it operates, all those sorts of things. And, and as we do that, hopefully some of the application will just become a bit more obvious to us that we'll actually, as we sort of stir the pot, the application will begin to bubble to the surface. If that doesn't happen, at the very least, it will help perhaps fire some conversations that we can have with one another as to thinking about what justice looks like as an individual and, and as, as a church family as well. So that's sort of setting the table, so to speak. Let me just give you a little bit of a heads up about the meal. Um, this week has much more of a teaching feel to it. I think last week, Dan, when Dan spoke, it had had quite a strong preaching feel to it. He, you know, he was putting out a call to run after something, sort of really firing your hearts up. Um, this week is a little bit more about studying the the nature of the race, looking at the terrain, and all that sort of thing, and digging down into some of the detail. Man, I'm I'm mixing my metaphors a bit too much. We're just just lowing out too many. So the the short point is is that 
this week you might have to work a little bit harder to stay sort of keyed in, to stay on point on the message. Um, so those of you who are, are still in your pajamas with your iPad or your laptop propped up on your on your duvet, I I know you're out there. Now's the time to to wipe the sleep from your eyes. Um, I am I'm much lazier than Dan, so, so I'm not going to be jumping in the car. I'm not going to be shooting from cool camera angles. I mean, if you just look behind me, I'm got a big no-no that my study looks like an absolute bomb site still, and it's a cluttered background. So apparently that's not a good thing for videos, but. It is what it is. I'm, I'm not going to be doing that stuff. So if movement helps you, jump up and down your bed for a few moments. If, if you're a Warwick or a Johnny, crack out 50 burpees just to kind of get the blood flowing. Um, just so you're ready to go and just home in on some of the thoughts that we're going to look at, look at this morning. As we begin to think about what is justice according to God, according to the Bible? I want to start by homing in on, on two Hebrew words that crop up in that in that Micah passage. It's in verse 8, verse 8 of, of Micah 6. I've got it here. Let me just read it to you again. Uh, it's, what does the Lord require of you but to do justice, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God? I think that's a, it's a... It's a great summary. It's a great summary of how God wants us to live, walking humbly with him, which essentially means being attentive to his desires, caring about the things that he cares about. And and the two words that I want us to put under the microscope this morning are the, are the justice and mercy words. Um, in Hebrew, justice is mishpat and mercy is chesed. Now, they're, they're going to come up come from the screen so you might want to wrap your chops around them just so you kind of get a feel for them so justice is mishpat and mercy is chesed now of course the point is not to fill our heads with hebrew words which isn't altogether a very useful exercise the point is that with god's help that we try and embody what these words are conveying or, or simply to use the language of Micah, so that we do justice and love mercy. I think it's probably worth noting from the get-go that doing justice and loving mercy, uh, they could appear to be two quite different things, but actually I think it's much better, it's a much more biblical way to understand them if you view them as, as two sides of the same coin. They go together, they go hand in hand. And in Micah 6, uh, mishpat, the, the justice word, that is putting emphasis on the action, the doing something, the bit that, as I articulated at the beginning, that we're, we're wrestling with a little bit as to, okay, what does that look like? But that's the mishpat bit, it's the action bit. Whereas the chazed, that's the mercy word, that's putting the emphasis on the attitude or the motive behind the action and in the coming weeks, we'll look quite explicitly at that motive aspect um, in a bit more detail. But it's really it's key to note, I think, that there are drivers for this thing that we call justice that aren't so healthy, that aren't even God-given, perhaps. The why we do something is really, really important to God. And it should come as absolutely no surprise to us, not least of all because only a few weeks ago, we looked at that beautiful passage in 1 Corinthians 13 and the primacy of love. Uh, and when it comes to justice, 
it's got to be fired. It's got to be inspired by merciful love. That's what walking with God looks like on this subject of justice. It's shot through with love. Now, that's a really important foundational thought, but probably, I suspect, not groundbreaking as a concept for many of you. So let's excavate things a little bit deeper. And, and we're focusing on the mishpat, the justice word. In its various different guises, it probably crops up over 200 times, I think it is in the Old Testament. And its most basic meaning is to treat people equitably, fairly. So I'm giving an example. In Leviticus, for example, God warns Israel to, to have the same mishpat, the same justice, for the foreigner as for the native. That means that we we treat people the same, that we acquit or punish people on the merits of the case, regardless of their race or their race, I should say, or social status. I mean, how, how pertinent a thought is that right now? But the angle of approach for fair treatment wasn't just about when someone has done something wrong and what punishment should be meted out, what punishment should they receive. Mishpat also meant to give people their rights. I like this one because it refers to, to priests. Deuteronomy 18 directs people to support the priests with a percentage of their income. And that's described as the priest's mishpat, which means their due or their right. Uh, more widely, putting priests aside for a moment, Proverbs will talk about defending the rights of the poor and the needy. So mishpat is about giving people what they are due, whether punishment or protection or care. And, and when you start doing a tour of the Old Testament, uh, where this word is, is, is rolled out, where it's deployed, several classes of people come up time and time again. Over and over, mishpat describes taking up the cause and caring for widows, orphans, immigrants, and the poor. It's what someone has rather kind of neatly called the quartet of the vulnerable. And they were essentially groups of people who in their time had no or little social power. They were really struggling to eke out an existence. And often they were only a few days away from starvation. So that if, if war or famine or just general social unrest hit, they were in real trouble. Um, they were vulnerable people. We don't need to use our imagination too much. We could easily extend that quartet today to include refugees, migrant workers, homeless, probably quite a few single parents, plenty of elderly people, I would imagine, could fall into that vulnerable category. And that the justness of society, according to the Bible, is evaluated by how it treats those groups. I think, again, really important to note here I think the discussion of the last few weeks has highlighted a lot of things, but it's highlighted this as well, that, that sin isn't just housed in the heart. It can be embedded in systems and institutions and rules of government. And so the first main thing to note about biblical justice is that neglect of these vulnerable people, vulnerable, uh, 
putting the teeth back in. Neglect of these vulnerable people is not just called a lack of mercy or charity. It's a, it's a violation of justice in God's eyes. God loves and defends those with the least economic and social clout. And as his people, we're called to do likewise. That is what doing justice means for us. And it, it's it's interesting. It's so written into God's DNA. It's, it's often the way that he describes himself. Again, I find it really interesting to see how people are introduced uh, things like conferences, you know, particularly Christian conferences. Um, you know, is it John Ward, husband of Bronwyn, father of three, lover of waves? Or do they go for something like the Right Honourable Reverend Dr. John Ward, M-A-L-L-B? Just to be really clear, I don't actually have many of those titles. But, but the point is how we pitch ourselves or how we present ourselves or how others present us says something about what is being viewed as important in that context. And repeatedly, God introduces himself to us in the Bible as a father to the fatherless, a defender of widows. He repeatedly stands up and describes himself as one who is down in the dirt with the powerless, taking up their cause. And the risk is we, we kind of take that for granted. Yeah, it's God, of course he does that sort of thing. He's nice, that's, that's the way he is. But that was a complete reversal of the norms of the time. The power of the gods in the ancient world was associated with the leaders, the kings, the Caesars of the world. They were the ones, the ones ruling the roost um, because they had divine favour, because the gods had smiled on them. That was the thinking, that was the way of viewing the world in most ancient minds. And so it was nothing short of scandalous to flip that on, on its head. And But that's exactly what Yahweh does. It's what he wants to be known for and it's what his people are supposed to be about as well. Now, hopefully it hasn't been too heavy weather so far. You're hanging in there, okay? If you're struggling a little bit, do a quick head clear. A few more bed bounces if that's going to help. And then we're, we're going to move on to another aspect of, of justice. This next element pulls in that other word that Dan focused on last week. Um Righteousness, sometimes or often referred to or also translated or given as a meaning as, as being in right relationship. Justice is also about right relationships or, or a life of right relationships. Dan traced, I can't remember the exact words that he used, but there, there was a moment in last week's tour when he traced the beauty of the gospel of Jesus dying on the cross, on Jesus taking on himself all our rubbish, the stuff that devastates our relationships, chiefly our relationship with God. And Jesus on the cross assumes all that mess. He takes it into himself and he doesn't throw it back out in revenge like we often do, but he takes it in on himself so that we could be put back into right relationship with God. And that, that is the sheer amazing grace of our gospel. And it's from that point, it's from there that Christians, as beneficiaries of that restoration project, if you like, it's from there that we become committed to putting right all other relationships in our life. 
God puts right our relationship with him. And then as a response to that, we run after putting our relationships right with other people. And, and so by definition, righteousness as a word, which can actually be translated justice, is social. It's literally social action because it is about relationships. Um, and again, in the Old Testament, so often the word for righteousness, I'm not going to give you the Hebrew word this time, um, but that word for righteousness and the word we've been looking at, mishpat, for justice, they are brought together scores of times. This is a little technical point, but, but I think it's a beautiful thought. The word that is used for righteousness, it, as I just said, it could just as well be translated justice. But it has a slightly different connotation to the other word that we've been looking at, mishpat for justice. Mishpat is about redressing the imbalances, putting the wrong things right, rectifying the situation. But the righteousness justice, the relationship justice, that's slightly different. Because if we got the righteousness of relationships, if we got that bit sorted, if the right relationships flavour of justice was prevalent in our world, we wouldn't need mishpat. We wouldn't need to rectify things because we would all be in right relationships to everyone else around us. And if you can just do an exercise of the imagination, even just a slither of it, if you can imagine what that might look like for a bit, that will give you an idea of what the new heaven and the new earth that God promises his people. That's what it's going to be like when his work of righteousness, of restoring right relationships, comes to complete fulfilment. And, and we as God's people are intended to be people who give others a sneak preview of that. Of by, by doing justice, we give people a taste, a glimpse of that kingdom where none of those broken relationships exist, where a kingdom where black people don't have to prove their humanity to the rest of the world. And countless other examples of the redemptive nature of justice. Now, we're going to come on to this in, in more detail later on in the series. So I'm not going to drill down into that, that right relationship form of justice anymore at this point. Um, at this stage, I just really want to be opening out the reality that the Bible has this really fulsome understanding of justice. Uh, it's much more expansive than we often immediately conceive or imagine and it is often much more encompassing than the the definitions of justice that you might get from other places and other sectors but the but the last take on justice that i want to draw out is is this justice includes generosity now this bit is super challenging so, so kind of strap yourselves in for this when you think about generosity, when you think about giving, I'm sure most of you be on the page. Of, yeah, that is a good thing. I get that. Generosity is a good thing, something to be, uh, something to aspire to. But isn't it a bit of a category error to describe it as a justice matter? Isn't it a compassion or a charity thing? You know, that's why we often call it charity. But but the way we use the word charity in English, it, it's it's 
got the flavour of it. It's a good thing, uh, but by definition, it's optional. It, it's not a requirement. Um, but that understanding of giving, when you really begin to look at it, doesn't quite square with the force of, of the Bible's teaching on it. Here are just a few examples. But in the New Testament, in Matthew, uh, gifts to the poor are described as acts of righteousness, for which read justice. In a number of the Old Testament passages, Ezekiel, Job, Isaiah, radical generosity is one of the marks of living justly. Uh, and our tendency with, with giving, with our, with our personal giving, is that it's something I'm volunteering. I'm, I'm offering this money out of my earnings. I don't owe this money to the poor, is sort of our mindset. I'm giving it away as part of my charitable giving, as part of my response to God. But I want to put it to you, that's not quite how the Bible views it. Tim Keller really gives it some bites. I'm just going to give you his words straight up. He says that if we are not generous with our money and our resources... We're not just being stingy, we're being unjust. It's a justice matter. And justice in God's eyes is not just for a few do-gooders. It's, it's a vital, intrinsic part of being in relationship with him. In fact, you could point to some passages in places like James and elsewhere that suggest that actually, if, if you're not on that page, then actually you don't really know God. He might sort of return the favour and says, well, I don't really know you. It, it's quite a fearful prospect. Now, I, I hesitate to kind of leave it there, but I, I just want to sort of pull together some of the, the thoughts that we've been looking at this morning. Doing justice isn't just about righting wrongs, although it very much includes that. It is about generosity and social concern, especially towards the poor and all those groups of people who are vulnerable. But it can consist of a range of activities from fair and honest dealings with people to just in our daily lives, to exuberant, to joyful giving of time and resources, to activism that looks to bring down an end to particular forms of injustice or violence and oppression. In summary, it's a wonderfully broad and beautiful, in its best sense, beautiful idea. Now, the risk where I ended up was that you, I've just given you a little bit more guilt, which is the very thing that I said I wasn't going to do at the beginning. At this point, I'm just um, I'm hoping that you can focus your attention on the, the reality that this little survey gives you a sense that there are possibly more expressions of doing justice than first meet the eye. And I think that will be both exciting but encouraging when we we begin to think about, okay, so what does application look like? What do we do with that question of what do I do now? Um, equally, we, we are going to focus um, specifically on motivation and there is going to be uh, a week where we, we home in on that in particular and get you to think about actually what is it that really drives our desire to do justice, because it's very easy for it to be driven by guilt, which will either be very short-lived or, or, or end up just brewing resentment inside of us, and that there is a much better motivator that is built on love, and it's built on this wonderful uh, grasping of, of 
the grace of God. So that's where we're going to go. So hopefully I haven't left you sort of feeling too deflated. Um, I'm going to, I think I've, I've gone on for enough. I'm going to draw stumps there. Uh, just wish you all the best and uh, continue to hope and look forward to the time when we can actually maybe do this in a, in a different way. Um, but in the meantime, take care and God bless.